Our scripture this morning is going to be in Mark 14 again. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs, from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him and at once said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all had left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all chief priests, and the elders, and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power, and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophecy. And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself, and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And then he broke down and wept. Father, we thank you today that the grace that we have just sung about is not just a a theory. It's not just a a, a wish that we have. God, you have sealed your grace through the faithfulness of your sacrifice for us and bringing us back to yourself through the one and only way, the truth, the living way through Jesus. And it's you we continue to celebrate now as we look at your word and ask your word to 
reveal to us anything that might be hindering us from fully living in the power of your grace. God, thank you for your faithfulness. And I pray that because you have been faithful, we will be faithful to you today to pay attention to what you say to us and obey when you speak to us today. In Jesus' name now, we continue to worship. Amen. I invite you to open your Bible with me today again to the Gospel of Mark. Today our goal is to to try to complete our journey through this 14th chapter of the book of Mark. Let me say at the outset today, if you haven't heard it before, Happy Father's Day. Um, we have a number of fathers with us in our audience today. What a, what a blessed privilege, a tremendous privilege, and an awesome responsibility is to, to, to be a father. Every father, as you probably know, makes decisions every day uh, that affects life in more ways than anyone could ever imagine. It's a great privilege and also an awesome responsibility to be a father. I'd like to ask the fathers who are in the room to stand with me for a moment. Uh, if you're a father, would you just stand and uh, let's recognize you on this great day today. And as you stand, uh, join me as we continue to pray together. God, thank you for the awesome privilege and the serious responsibility we have as men, as fathers. God, I pray that you would use us today in a mighty way and use us in the future in a mighty way to bring glory and honor to you. I pray that in this day where our country is struggling so much with identity issues, that we as fathers who represent you, the, the perfect Father, uh, would stand strong and be true to our calling to honor you and to glorify you in all that we do. God, thank you for these men. Thank you for these fathers. Uh, thank you for the opportunity of knowing you and serving you in this position that you put us in. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and thank you. Well, some decisions that we make in life are more important than other decisions. How many of you have ever had a conversation like this, for example? What do you want to eat today? Well, it doesn't matter to me. What do you want to eat? Well, it doesn't matter to me. What do you want to eat? And on and on and on you go back and forth. You know, some decisions are, are kind of trivial, but other decisions are extremely important. And every area of life demands that we make decisions. Our spiritual life, our psychological life, our social life, our um, physical life, financial life, marital life, parental life. Every area of our life demands making decisions. And as I said, some of these decisions are more critical and more important than others. When Jesus called his disciples to follow him, every single one of those men had to make a decision. And that decision that they made was a turning point in their life, and it affected the rest of their life. For them, that decision to follow Jesus was a critical decision. Today, God is calling each 
of you as well as myself to make some critical decisions. And the answer to that question of what are we going to do about deciding to follow and obey Jesus is just as critical today as it was in the first century when Jesus called those first men and women to follow him. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus shared the Passover meal as we studied last week and instituted the Lord's Supper with his disciples. He disclosed that one of the twelve would betray him. And then he led the eleven followers that chose to follow him up to Gethsemane to the hillside to pray. And Jesus left them praying and then went a little further and continued to pray on his own. Three times he returned to his disciples. Remember last week he found them asleep. He found them unfaithful to doing what he had asked them to do to watch and to pray. And now today we pick up just after that third encounter where Jesus came back and once again he found Peter, James, and John asleep. So you heard read earlier Mark chapter 14 verses 43 to 72. And in this part of the passage of Mark's account, we find four decisions that are revealed that can impact each of our lives today. So let's look at these four major decisions. First of all, the first one is found in verses 43 to 53. Judas decided to betray Jesus. Verse 43 says, Immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. So after leaving this Last Supper, Judas decided to go to the religious leaders and craft a plan to issue a warrant for the arrest of Jesus. Judas decided to act as the official accuser of Jesus. And this was a critical decision in the life of Judas. We learned last week that the other 11 disciples had left that Passover meal and, as I said, followed Jesus to Gethsemane. And Jesus asked them a very simple request. He said, watch and pray while I go alone to pray. And again, three times they failed. They slept while Jesus prayed. Jesus was wide awake. Remember last week? And Judas was wide awake while the other 11 slept. I wonder how many times we look and think about what Jesus has asked us to do. Remember what Jesus asked us to do just before he went back to live with the Father in heaven? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. How faithful are we at being consistent in carrying out the plan and mission of Jesus that he asked us to carry out? But Judas decided to betray Jesus, and so he could not sleep until he completed his mission. Look at verse 44. Now the betrayer, what, what a sad nickname. 
to be known by. The betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. You know, most often in our life today, it's best for us to make decisions in setting boundaries before being tempted and tested, right? Uh, the best standard for making all of our decisions is to follow the example that Jesus set for us, and that is to love God with all of our heart and to love our neighbor as ourself. Judas abandoned both of these principles of Jesus. Judas did not love God with all of his heart because he was dead set on serving himself before serving God and honoring God. Judas abandoned his best friends, the 11 disciples and Jesus himself. He abandoned his closest neighbors. And so Judas broke both of these commands that Jesus had given. Judas had spent three years posing as a follower of Jesus. And just a few hours before this incident, Judas had sat at the table, around the table, celebrating the Passover with Jesus, posing to be one of his closest neighbors, one of his closest friends. When he came up to Jesus, he addressed him as rabbi, which is a high term of honor. He kissed him, which is a sign of love for closest friends and relatives that a person could have in that Middle Eastern culture in the first century. So he used two signs of highest respect to betray Jesus. How two-faced could a person be? He loved himself and his own desires more than he loved Jesus, more than he honored God. He loved himself more than he loved and honored his closest friends, his neighbors. His heart was set on pleasing himself over pleasing other people and pleasing God. So a greeting, a handshake, a promise, a kiss. What do these things mean? Well, they mean whatever your heart says they mean. In the heart of Judas was set on his own personal interest, his own self, rather than on serving God and serving his neighbors. And Judas made a terrible decision. So are you willing today to learn from Judas? Because that's what we can do. We can choose to learn from Judas. And rather than set our hearts on ourself and our self-interest, and our self-desires, our selfish desires, we can set our heart and our desires on loving God with all of our heart and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Judas failed. Judas betrayed Jesus. And I trust and pray that we will learn from the error, from the mistake of Judas. 
One of our small group members recently shared a story that early in their life, early in their work life, an employer was regularly cheating customers and justified it by saying, it's the way we have to do business in order to make money. Imagine that. Imagine your heart being more set on making money than on honoring God and serving other people, loving God and loving people. But that seems to be the way of life. So let me ask you today, is anything more important than standing up for Jesus? Judas decided to betray Jesus. And I want to challenge you today to consider not betraying Jesus for anything that this world has to offer. Mark then turns the conversation in verse 47. He says, but one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to, him, said to them, have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left and fled. So Judas decided to betray Jesus. We'll come back in a few minutes and we'll, we'll talk about Simon Peter. But at this point, I think Mark thought it was important enough in this conversation about Judas to bring in the other disciples too. Not only did Judas betray Jesus, but look what the gospel defines the other disciples as doing in this same context. John's gospel identifies that Peter was the defender of Jesus. Peter took his sword and cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. He cut off Malchus's ear and John's gospel describes, and then in Luke chapter 22, verse 51, we find the, the description of this same event where Jesus Rather than allowing bloodshed to take place right there, he healed the ear of Malchus. Judas was set on betraying Jesus, but Mark points out to us that all the other disciples under pressure ran away. They ran away. And then in verse 51, Mark brings himself, I think, into the picture. A young man, and I believe this was John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark. A young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. So Judas betrayed Jesus. This young man and the other 11 disciples, rather than standing up and defending Jesus chose to run away. I have to ask here, how, how often do I choose to run away rather than standing up with Jesus and being a witness for Him? Jesus obviously was not asking the disciples to do anything for Him at this point because He turned away the opportunity for Simon Peter to defend Him with a sword. But he was looking for friends, his closest friends, to just stand with him and be a witness with him. But they failed in that opportunity. Judas made the fatal decision to betray Jesus. Abandonment was serious. That's what the disciples did. That's what the close followers of Jesus did. They abandoned him. 
But betrayal for Judas was fatal. Cost him everything. Cost him his life. So here we sit, 2,000 years since this incident took place that we have a full record of. 2,000 years since Jesus suffered and died and rose again, just as he said he would. And so today you get to decide. Will you decide to stand with Jesus and be a witness with Jesus? I pray you won't be like Judas and betray Jesus. And I even pray today that you won't decide to run away when the pressure comes in your life to stand up with Jesus. Secondly, not only did Judas betray Jesus, but witnesses decided to accuse Jesus. We see this in verses 53 to 61. Verse 53 says, And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and elders and scribes came together. In other words, he, he came before the Jewish Supreme Court. Verse 53, 55 says, Now the chief priest and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none, for many bore false witness against him. But their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? And he remained silent and made no answer. So this was very, very early on Friday morning, probably about 3 or 4 a.m. before daylight. Again, the Sanhedrin was the official Jewish Supreme Court, and they were given authority by the Roman government to make decisions about religious disputes and about some minor civil disputes, but they had no authority to put someone to death. That had to be transferred over to the Roman court. And so they were just trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could produce those evidence at a real trial before the Roman court. The high priest, the chief priests, the elders, the scribes, were trying to produce evidence to put Jesus to death. They presented what they thought was evidence to convict Jesus, but really all they had was evidence to, to set Jesus free. They had no evidence at all to convict Him. They had been exposed by Jesus, though. Jesus had pointed out the error in their religious practices. The hypocrisy in their religious practices. The positions that they held. Supposedly to be in relationship with God and be pointing people to God when they didn't even know God. Jesus had pointed this out. And all they could think about was putting Jesus to death because they had been exposed. And so what did they do? Well, they made up half-truths. They made up lies. Let me ask you this. Have, have you ever 
wanted something so badly that you twisted the truth in order to have your way. That's what these religious leaders were doing. And lying is a big deal. The Bible tells us that we are to tell all of the truth all the time in every circumstance, every situation. Lying is a, a character issue. And that's why it's so critical to always tell all of the truth all of the time. When, when confronting Adam and Eve in the garden way back in the very first story that we have in the Bible about human life. What did Satan tempt Adam and Eve to do? What did he tempt them with? He tempted them by telling half-truths. And here when Jesus is confronted... He's confronted with his accusers telling half-truths. Today, when we're facing situations and are under pressure of whether we stand up for what is a standard that God has set and always telling the truth all of the time, I wonder how many of us stand true to totally telling all of the truth, all of the time. This actually was the big deal that led to the death of Jesus. Because as the scripture says clearly here, there was a mixed message that these religious leaders were accusing Jesus of and making against, the case they were making against Jesus. So once again, have you ever wanted something so bad that you lied or either told a half-truth in order to have your way? Well, thirdly, Jesus decided to disclose the undeniable truth. Finally, Jesus spoke loudly and clearly. In verse 61, again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said to him, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him. And to cover his face and strike him, saying, Prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. Now reading this account, even in our 21st century environment, it's so easy to, to read a passage like this and not feel the, the emotion, the agony, the pain that Jesus was experiencing at this particular moment in his life. And to think that he willingly chose to create this plan himself and bring it on himself and follow through with the plan was a monumental decision that he had to make. Everyone in the courtroom that day before Jesus knew what he was talking about when he 
made the reference to the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power. They had read this story over and over and over again in Daniel chapter 7, talking about the one from God that would be sent to this earth, that would be the Messiah, that would be the representative of God, and then be brought up back to God. They had heard Jesus loud and clearly say, Yes, I am the Son of God. I came from heaven, and I'm going back to heaven, and one day I'm going to judge you. And when they heard these words, they became so angry. The high priest became so intimidated and angry. He didn't want to hear the truth. So he ripped his clothes apart as a sign of anger, as a sign of anguish. It's interesting that he, Jesus, was accused of blasphemy. Blasphemy is when you curse the name of God. And Jesus hadn't cursed the name of God. Jesus actually blessed the name of God. But these religious leaders twisted the truth. The false accusation was enough for him to be condemned to death. So in our small group studies, we've been looking at the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah chapter 50, verses 5 and 6, Jesus predicted that this event would happen. Jesus fulfilled this event precisely. The Bible says, The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. That's Jesus. I turned not backwards. That's Jesus. He could have run away, but he ran straight to Jerusalem. He ran straight to the trial. I turned, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Do you see this coming to pass directly in the life of Jesus? See, when people who are far from relationship with the true and living God, are posing as representatives for the true and living God, they do really bad things. And that's what these religious leaders were doing. But this was no surprise to Jesus. He had actually predicted that this would happen. He had predicted and planned and then carried out, performed, this very act of defending the integrity of God. So Jesus humbly submitted to torture on your behalf, on my behalf, to restore us, to bring us back together with relationship with the true and living God. Jesus knew when to speak the truth. And I want to challenge you and me today to listen to the truth, to stand up for the truth, to put our lives in the truth. So what Jesus has done for us here, being tortured and beaten and spat upon and mocked, I mean, Jesus took all of that on my behalf. And on your behalf, how could anyone reject a humble sacrifice like this? 
when someone today is spat upon or someone's going to strike you, your, your natural reaction is to put up a defense and defend yourself. Jesus didn't do that because Jesus knew thousands of years before this event happened, from the very beginning, before the creation of time, Jesus knew that this would happen and he went straight to it boldly. Finally this morning, in the middle of this trial, Mark turned the focus to Simon Peter. Now this is where it really comes home to you and me. Peter decided to deny Jesus. He failed to stand up for Jesus. In verse 54 of Mark chapter 14, Mark says, And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtroom of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. So in the middle of this confusion, Simon Peter decided to return. He had run away, but he decided to return at a distance and warm by the fire of the enemy. And this set the stage for another critical decision in the life of Simon Peter. What does it look like to follow Jesus at a distance? What does it look like to warm at the enemy's fire today? See, Peter decided to remain anonymous rather than go to the courtroom where Jesus was being tried. He decided the comfortable way. He decided to preserve his life. He was more interested in comfort than he was in standing up for Jesus or standing up with Jesus. This was the same man, remember, who just hours before, the early part of Mark chapter 14, he said, Jesus, I will follow you to the death. And Jesus said, no, you won't. No, you won't. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows twice. Under pressure, the heart of Peter was exposed. So let me ask you today, are you following Jesus at a distance? Are you warming by the enemy's fire? Do people around you know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Peter decided to find comfort at the enemy's fire. He decided that comfort was more important than conviction. See, talk is cheap. That's what Peter was doing when he said he would follow Jesus even to the death. Talk is cheap. Conviction is costly. And Simon Peter made the decision... To abandon Jesus at the moment when Jesus needed him most. Being phony and superficial in our walk with Jesus today is one way that we might be choosing to sit by the enemy's fire and be comfortable. Knowing about God rather than living a life integrally attached to Jesus. Knowing him personally and Following his path personally can be a way that we sit by the enemy's fire and take the comfortable way rather than the conviction way. 
judging sinners without applying the grace of God can be a way that we comfortably sit by the enemy's fire rather than standing up for our convictions. Keeping faith in Jesus to ourself rather than publicly proclaiming our faith in Jesus. Someone once said, and I know this is a cliche, but someone once asked if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's what Peter ran into at this moment in his life. The enemy's fire may seem safe and comfortable, but just like Peter, it may also lead you to abandon Jesus at your greatest time of need and at his greatest time of need. So for Jesus, there was a time to be patient, and then there was a time to speak. There was a time to talk. His mission drove the decision that he made to finally speak and to stand up and proclaim who he was. And while, while Jesus, now this is really interesting. While Jesus was on trial upstairs in the praetorium, down in the courtyard there was another trial going on. The trial that Jesus was standing before was by the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the, the chief priests, the, the priests, the religious leaders of the day, the Sanhedrin. There was a trial going on down in the courtroom and it was being led by a little servant girl who had no power, no authority, no ability to impose any action on Peter whatsoever. There were simply witnesses around who were nobodies who were accusing Peter of being associated with Jesus. So there were two trials going on there. Jesus was faithful to stand strong through his trial. Simon Peter, at the same time, under almost no pressure at all, failed to stand the test. Every day of my life, I go through many tests, and I have to make a decision. Am I going to stand true and walk with Jesus and faithfully represent Him to the very end? Or am I going to bow under the pressure, under the tension of little minor earthly forces that may come against me testing my faith? And you have those same trials that you face every day as well. And the challenge that we have today is to be faithful. When Simon Peter was exposed, verse 66 says, Peter was below in the courtyard. One of the servant girls, the high priest, seeing Peter woman himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus, but he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. He went out in the gateway and the rooster crowed and the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystander again, bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear I do not know this man of whom you speak. 
And immediately the rooster crows a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. So Jesus was condemned of blasphemy. Peter actually committed blasphemy. When he remembered what Jesus had said, he wept bitterly. Jesus had wept bitterly. Remember at the tomb of Lazarus and recorded in John chapter 11 when Lazarus died, Jesus looked around at the crowd of people and his friends and the Bible says Jesus wept. Jesus wept out of compassion. Just a few hours earlier in the, uh, on the mountain of, of, of Gethsemane, when Jesus had asked his disciples to pray, he went a, a, away a little further, and, and Jesus wept bitterly. He, he wept and sweat drops as though they were blood. He wept out of compassion for you and me. Peter wept out of shame, out of abandonment of Jesus. Jesus wept out of compassion for you and me. I know what that feels like to weep out of the spirit of abandonment, and you probably do too. I've been there. There have been times when I've tried to lay my head on my pillow at night, and I know I have failed Jesus, and I have wept bitterly. All alone before God, the truth has been exposed and pierced my conscience and broken my heart. I know what Peter feels like, and I bet you do as well. Most people are like me. Most people are like Peter, and if that's you today, I pray that you'll do what I've done and what Simon Peter did, and that even though at this point in his life he followed Jesus at a distance, and he sat by the crowd of the enemy, and he bitterly failed Jesus. We're going to find out in the next few chapters that he came back strong, and he sacrificed his life in the end for Jesus. This same Peter had heard Jesus say in Mark chapter 8 and verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. So I have to ask us this question today. Can you imagine standing before God after living this life, standing before God, and having Jesus look in your eye and say, I'm ashamed of you. That doesn't have to be the case. Because of what Jesus has done. If that has been you, if you've been like me, if you've been like Peter, you can come humbly confessing with bitter sorrow that you have failed. Confess that, repent of that, and turn away from that. And turn your life to walking with Jesus in faithfulness. Be faithful to Him because He's been faithful to you. Making the decision today to stand up for Jesus is just as easy as making the decision to deny Jesus. But understand this.
making a decision to deny Jesus is not the unpardonable sin. But making the decision to betray Jesus like Judas is the unpardonable sin. So by way of application today, you have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. And that decision puts your life in the balance, the, the weight balance. Today you have a chance to say, I'm going to confess my sin and repent of my sin and turn away from my sin. And I'm going to stand up for Jesus every moment of every day of my life. I'm going to make that decision today. Because to not make that decision is to make a worse fatal decision. And that's the decision to betray Jesus. To turn your back on everything He's ever done for you. All of the torture that He took. All of the spit in the face. And the stripes on the back. And the blood that flowed from Him on a Roman cross. is for nothing. If you turn away from it and betray Him. Decisions are a part of normal life. And we make decisions. And then our decisions have consequences. Today, God is calling us to trust Him. God is calling us to be true to Him. Decide today to give your life to Jesus and sell out to standing up for Him. He's calling you away from the comfort and the safety of the enemy's fire. He's calling you to know Him intimately. Love Him supremely and follow Him with all of your life. God, I thank You today that You're calling us to a time of repentance. I pray today that as we consider which crowd we're going to be part of, the crowd that betrayed Jesus like Judas, the crowd that prosecuted Jesus like the Sanhedrin, the crowd like Peter who would choose the comfort and the safety that seems to be in this world rather than selling out to you. Oh God, how I pray that we would follow Jesus and that we would make the decision like Jesus did to set our mind on our mission of accepting the free gift of salvation that you offer us. The call to admit that we're sinners and believe that Jesus actually went through all of this torture to provide a way for us to be forgiven and then to commit our life to following you and spend the rest of our life knowing and following you. God, how I pray that all of us here today would make that highest choice. God, thank you for the opportunity to come to you, to come to your altar, to pour our lives out to you and in a confessional, humble way, admit that we need you. Admit that more than anything in this world, we want to decide to follow you. 
God, in a real way, in our heart, in our spirit, help us to come to your altar today to accept you and trust you and decide to stand with you. In Jesus' name, we continue now to worship you. Amen. Let's stand together as we come to the altar.